Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Let's go! Presented by 72 Sold, Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Don't adjust your radio, that's Gambo. Whistling along. Live here from Footprint Center. All your coverage of today's show brought to you by FanDuel as we're down here live for the Suns and the Trailblazers tonight. Campo. It's Friday. I can just. Uh, Did you just learn how to whistle too? Uh, no, I'm actually like a, like I'm a little kid at heart. Like I really am. I'm you like really little, are. I'm a little kid at heart. You really are. You really mm-hmm. are. Um, if you missed it or earlier, the, the reason Mitch said what he said was uh, Gambo learned today that his phone is a hotspot. It's an internet hotspot. How do you know that my phone can be used to help me with my computer? You are a kid at, at heart. You're, you, you, you're, you're, I had to use it today. Power went out, and then the internet was down. I'm like, all right, you need to get on the internet. And I, 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 I had given up. There. We I, did, I had one totally of our, given up. One of our great listeners uh, has actually offered to be your IT guy for a year right. on demand if you just let him hang out with you behind the scenes. But I have an IT person. It's called my <laughs> wife. <laughs> you know what? She's an IT person. She actually, that's what she does. She works. She's an IT. Uh, honestly, if, if you have... Um, I have Chelsea. I, I I would refer to your wife as more than just your IT person. Just a little marital advice from one dude to the to a next. Yes, but you that's, know, a, that's a nice benefit. Uh, it is, but, but it. certainly don't. Hey, I yeah, I'm I'm married to this great person. She's my IT person. She's great. You don't. I didn't, listen when I married. I didn't know I don't have all these benefits of IT, but now I do. Yeah, exactly. So there was this line today on ESPN.com, and, and then there was another story that's very related on AZCentral.com. Okay. But I'm gonna start with the ESPN one because I think it really sums it up really really well. Um, in there preview of the Seahawks-Cardinals game. Josh Weinfuss, the beat writer who covers the Cardinals for ESPN, quote, this, to a large degree, may be the biggest game of Cliff Kingsbury's tenure in Arizona because of the three-game stretch that they're about to embark on. I could buy that. Tell me why. Because I can't, too, but I want to hear from you. Uh... Because this season has been a disaster. They made the playoffs last year. They were expectations. He got a new deal. His quarterback got a new deal. They went out and added a bunch of players. And, you know, they, the expectations were that this team would take that next step. That next step was not only getting back to the playoffs, but winning a playoff game. And a loss here, for all intent and purposes, this season's over. I told you, there's a 0% chance. Listen, if you're a Cardinal fan on Monday and you think, and they lose, you, and you, you want, you, you want to hear, uh, tell me they still got a chance. Not hearing it from me. I'm not going to tell you a three and six football team's got a chance to turn their season around. More than half the season's over, and you're three and six. You're not going to get that from me. Yeah. Now, if they win, yeah, they're still in this thing. This is a must-win game. They've got to win it. There's a listen. It's Michael Money. We've said it all along. Cliff's money. Michael, you know, may start running out of patience here. You lose another game. Another home game. Another home game. Another home game. Even though that streak ended on that Thursday night game. But, yeah, another home game. No, I know what you're saying. Look, we're we're all sitting here asking the question. We don't know the answer. But is can can Cliff survive a 
a five or six win season. Yeah, and uh, it is look, what complicates it to a certain extent is the extension, but it doesn't complicate it that much. I don't think it does. It's not. It's just. It's just whether it's more of a pride thing than a money thing. You know, okay, if you're willing to eat the money, you're willing to eat the money. It's a lot of money to eat, but if you're willing to eat it, whatever. It's it's really more the embarrassment of, hey, wait a minute. Twelve months ago, you thought this guy was worth a five year contract extension, and one year later, you've changed your mind. Hey, it's all fully guaranteed, and that's that's a lot of a, people, a, don't, lot of people a, don't know that. That's a big money burger to eat yeah, if you're a, Michael. A lot of right? people and, don't know that, but that is okay, true. But so having said that. Maybe that does give them a moment's pause of, do we really want to fire him? That's a big sandwich we got to eat. You know? that's and, and maybe we keep saying it's Michael money. It's Michael money. It's a lot of money. If it's all guaranteed, if every dime of it is coming to him one way or another, you know, that that might be too much money to sit here yep. and just keep saying over and over again, it's Michael money, it's Michael money, it's Michael money. I think just as much as the money, though, is the pride involved in, man, you know how many people around the league are going to be like, what are you doing? You just extended the guy. Now you're firing him a year later? Yeah. You know, like, like what, what, who's, what, because then you really have to, as if you haven't already, really have to start questioning the decision-making process going on behind the scenes over there, where January of 2022, you're saying, five-year extension, he's our guy. January of 2023, you're saying, never mind, he's not our guy, he's fired. Then you really got to start looking in the mirror and figure out how are we reaching the conclusions that we're reaching that allowed us to give a five-year contract extension and then 12 months later fire them because you took a team that had three wins and you went to five and you went to eight and then you went to 11 and you made the playoffs but, you that. but, but you that's what you got sold on but you didn't have to you didn't have to nope. extend them nope you were not required to. He was not a free agent. No, nope. he was not. He was under contract for one more year. There was nothing other than this idea of okay, let's reward him for a job well done. That forced you or compelled you to give him that contract extension. I agree. I think this is, and and here's what scares me about this moment is that we've had a lot of these big games for Cliff Kingsbury over the year, years, and typically the Cardinals don't do well in them. They still haven't won a game under Cliff Kingsbury where if they win it, they clinch spots to the playoffs. Right. They backdoored their way into that last year because of the early lead they built up with the record. Every time they had a chance to win a game to, okay, win and you're in, they lost. Okay, next week, win and you're in, they lost, right? And so these big moments, these big games. Now, the flip side to this is if they do win on Sunday... Rather than coming in here and saying, that's it, forget it, season's over, we're going to feel like the season's been reborn, right? We're going to feel like, not like completely first win in the division, Yep, beat the first place team, uh, you, you know, they're in first place with five wins, the Rams have three, San Francisco has four, San Francisco doesn't play this week, you'd get to four wins, Depending on what the Rams do, even if the Rams win, they're at four wins. Seattle's at five, so it's five, four, four, four. So you're you're right there. You're right there. You're if you right win there. The game. You're right there, and that's why, in the interest of not only fairness but just okay, let's look at this from the other side of the coin. Here is the I think we do have to talk about if they do win on Sunday, we're going to come in here on Monday and feel like everything you want is there in front of you, right? Everything that you had hoped to achieve, you can still go get, and we'll have a brand new sense of what's capable. This season for the Cardinals, what they're capable of. Yeah, but then you get the Rams the next week, and we'll be right back to this is a big game. It's a big game. But at least if the Rams win and they beat Tampa Bay, they're at four and four. You're at four and five. Like, yeah, but at least we'll have proof that they can win a big game. 
at least okay, you know, they 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 had to they had to have it last week against Seattle and they got it. I think, I, I would agree with you. It's still going to be a big game, but they'll still they'll be able to say they won a big game to get there. Listen, I think people are looking for more proof that Cliff is not the guy than Cliff is the guy. Oh sure. Oh, it's that's why it's easy. That's why I wanted to point out what if they win because it's really easy to have the people are looking doom for the gloom. They're going to lose. Cliff's right. out, right? That's the easy. I'm looking for to reasons have. to. I'm no. I, most people aren't looking for reasons to say that Cliff is the guy. Yeah, because most people believe he's not the guy, and they're looking for more proof that he's not the guy. That's the, that's you're right. That's the easy conversation. We just did it. We just spent the first nine minutes of the segment just naturally falling into this. Well, when they lose, he's in trouble, and will Michael eat the contract? People are looking for evidence that he's not the guy, shouldn't be the guy, and a win on Sunday changes that narrative just a little bit. It changes that narrative. Hey, you know what? Maybe there is a season here to be salvaged. Maybe there is something that can be fixed. Maybe there is something cooking, you know? Defining moment. I don't disagree with that. That uh, what was that? Josh that wrote that. Josh wrote that. It's Maybe not, the I biggest game of Cliff Kingsbury's I tenure. I don't disagree with that in Arizona. I mean, I don't like Cliff's fighting for his job right now. Yeah. All right. He's fighting this thing. You know, to think that you can't just assume that just because he's got a five-year contract, full guaranteed, uh, that he's that he's <laughs> what? No, you can't assume that that keeps him safe. You can't no. assume that keeps him safe. Uh, it was Kent Summers over at AZ Central that called it a defining moment a couple days ago. He wrote a column very similar. This is a defining moment for Cliff. And I'd say Kent, as Kent is wont to do, boy, he has some great numbers in here, especially about the timeouts. I sent this to you, right? About the timeouts. Yeah, the timeouts, oh. 15 seconds. It does seem like, you know, to that, that point, it does seem like Cliff is talking all the way up until the 15-second cutoff. Now he stops talking. Now Kyler's got to call the play out, get everybody in the huddle, get everybody lined up. It's like maybe you should have the call done by 20 seconds. Like why do you have to take every single available second? The the sooner you get it in, the more relaxed Kyler will be because he has more time. Yeah, It's almost like everything is so chaotic and stressed because you're giving Kyler the, the, the least amount of time to call the play in the huddle, get everybody lined up, and run it before the clock goes out. If it, The other number he had that blew me away, you take the last three minutes of each half. Okay, so the final three minutes of the second, uh, the, the first half, final three minutes of the second half. The Cardinals have called, against the Vikings, the Cardinals called four timeouts outside of the last three minutes of each half. We all knew it. We all saw it. Yeah. They've done that 18 times this season where they've called timeouts outside of the last three minutes of each half. If you expand the time frame to five minutes before halftime or the end of the game, the Cardinals have called timeouts on 25% of their possessions. They don't save the timeouts for the end of the game. They can't. They can't. They can't. They don't know. Because they, they're trying to save the penalty. Yeah. They're trying to. They're not lined up. They've got too many men. They they're going to get a delay a game and push them. Like they they they're forced to take these timeouts because they're struggling to get the play calls in. The majority of the reason as to why they call those times out is because they can't get a play call in. Exactly. When we come back here on the Burns and Gambo Show on this Football Friday, we turn our attention back to the Suns. Now, maybe maybe we've been looking at this Jay Crowder absence all wrong. The right way we should be looking at it is next on the Burns and Gambo Show. 
Guns and Gambo. Afternoons 2 till 6 on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Our coverage all day today brought to you by FanDuel. We are live from Footprint Center tonight. Suns and the Portland Trailblazers, 7 o'clock tip time. You'll hear it right here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. And uh, we'll be, we've got bonus burns in Gambo tonight. We've got our buddy Tom Leander coming by and Look at that. for a few minutes. Oh, bonus. Yeah, yeah, looking forward to that. And uh, looking forward to seeing the Suns and the Blazers tonight at 7 o'clock. Story that we saw today on Bright Side of the Sun. And the story was headlined, is the Suns' second unit back? And, of course, we all know about the success of the first unit. They've got one of the best you know net ratings in the NBA when you talk about the Suns starting five. But one of the main storylines so far of the Suns this year through seven games is how good their bench has yeah. been. You know, the production that they've gotten off that bench. And, and frankly, we didn't really expect that, given that they hadn't made a Jake Crowder trade. The bench kind of looked thin to start the season. It's been a real pleasant surprise. The Jake Crowder situation is really interesting. And, and you, I'll, I'll let you kind of make a case here. Okay. Because... So who do we compare Jay to? Typically Cam. And why? Because Cam took his spot in the starting lineup. Right. Okay. So there's a different way to look at it. There really is, which nobody has. We're going to do this for the first time. Um, it, where would If Jay was on this team, he wouldn't have been in the starting lineup. Okay? We wouldn't have been. Now, we could compare Cam to what Jay did last year. We can compare that. What is Cam doing compared to what Jay did? But the way to really look at it is to look at Jay and where he would have been and figure out who's taking the minutes that Jay would have had. And that's actually Tory Craig. Mm-hmm. The proper way, the real way that we should look at what is, you know, with with no Jay, how have they been affected with no Jay Crowder is to look at Tory Craig and how he's playing. Because Tory Craig is getting a lot of those minutes that Jay would have gotten. Tory's getting, you know, he had 12 minutes against Minnesota. He had 18 against Houston, 17 against New Orleans, 25 against the Clippers. He had nine rebounds in a game against the Clippers. He had six rebounds against New Orleans. He had, you, you got to look at how he's played. He had 13 points against New Orleans. You got to look at Jay Crowder and say, is he giving you similar production to what Jay would have if Jay was off the bench. So I don't think the fair comparison is Jay to Cam. I think the real comparison is Torrey Craig because he is getting the minutes that Jay would have got coming off the bench. And when we talk about the bench... You obviously focus on Jock Landale because he's been terrific. You focus on Bismack Biombo because of the block shots. You look at campaign and the season that he's had so far. It looks like a bounce back year. But you're you're right, Tory Craig. And we don't often speak of Tory Craig when talking about the bench. He's averaging about fourteen and a half minutes per game. He's taking about three and a half shots per game. He's only averaging about five and a half points per game so far this year. And I suspect that if Jay were coming off the bench. Jay would probably be getting more minutes and Jay would probably be averaging more points than five and a half. But what in part has made Jay's absence so unnoticeable at this point, and there's just there's one number that stands out like a three-point shooting. Torrey Craig is shooting 47% yep. from the three-point three line. Three-point shooting. Year. Now that ain't going to last. 
Okay, that ain't gonna last. He 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 was uh, one for three against Portland, two for five against the Clippers, two for three against Golden State, one for one against New Orleans, one for two against Minnesota. He's shooting forty seven percent from three point range. He's taking him every game. It's not like he's not taking him. He has taken a three pointer in every game except the opener against Dallas when he only played nine minutes. So that is another factor to look at. He has shot the ball extremely well from three point range. He can rebound the basketball. He gives you some toughness. He's a tough guy. So I really do. I, I think we I think people overstate the the J versus Cam comparison when it really should be how is Tory Craig played because that's where Jace he's getting all those minutes. Now Tory still would have played, but he's getting the majority of the minutes that Jay would have got. Yeah, he is. And and so I just I just kind of ran a search and I'm looking at the Suns numbers if you like expand it out over thirty six minutes, you know, because yeah. and and Tory Craig, his numbers per thirty six minutes, you know, he's one of the top uh, seven or eight three-point shooters on the team in terms of attempts. You know, so relative to his minutes, he's certainly getting his fair share of attempts up. In terms of points, he becomes the eh, like ninth or tenth leading scorer on the team per 36 minutes. And, and here's here's where this thing might evolve. And maybe it does, maybe it doesn't. Okay, so for now, Troy Craig is, I mean, he's a baller on the rebounds, right? And he's very aggressive in that part of his game. He's shooting threes at a high clip. That's probably not sustainable. For now, I, maybe you look at it differently. I think he's getting the Dario minutes. He's 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 the reason in part why Dario's just not playing this year. Dario's had what five minutes so far. We thought Dario would be a small ball five, is what I thought. I thought he'd be a backup four too. I think Landell. I think Landell and Bismack Biombo have really hurt Dario's ability to. I thought he'd play a lot of small ball five. Okay, that's with Javale McGee gone, but they brought back Biz and Landell came in and Landell's been great and Biz has been great. So I think that now, yeah, he could have played some four too. I think for sure. Yeah, he's I mean, a four or five. He would have done. I think he would have done both depending on the matchup and things like that. But I think Dario. I think right now Tory Craig's played so well and has become such a trusted guy. And I mean, we've had a weird sort of as fans, we've had a weird like relationship. Relationship with Tory Craig, not that he's been bad or anything, but like he, the first go around, he was terrific. We loved Tory Craig, right? Okay. He was just high energy. Suns brought him back last year at the trade deadline. Eh. You know, it's, it's, against Dallas, this, here's his minutes against Dallas. I'll take it from game one to the end. Three minutes, three minutes, four minutes, fifteen minutes, four minutes. He didn't play. He didn't play. There was. A game against New Orleans, 8 minutes, 10, 10, 11. But against Dallas, 3 minutes in the first game, 3 minutes in the second, 4 minutes, 15 minutes, and 4. And there was one game he didn't play at all. Yeah. Like, he wasn't playing when the game when the games mattered most, he wasn't a guy that Monty looked at and said, "I need you. You can help me." And that felt different from the yes. Suns' playoff yes. run 100%. two years ago. One hundred percent. And I bet if you look at his minutes per game against the Lakers and the Clippers and the Nuggets and the Bucks in the finals, you'll see numbers closer to 10, 11, I, I mean, 12. He played in, in one game in, against the Clippers, 15, 11, 15, yep. 11, 31. Yep. There you go. Um, against Milwaukee. Milwaukee, he, he 16, 8, 15, 15, 9, and then 1. Um, but for the most part, there's, there's plenty of 15-plus minute games yep. in there. And that didn't happen last year. I think he's kind of back into the into the and, role that he was the year, the Milwaukee year. And that's exactly, I think, the way to look at it is like good 
you know, good Tory, bad Tory. Now we're back to good Tory. And, <laughs> and good Tory, you know, for, for just like breaking bad down. Tory, and bad, bad Tory. Bad Tory. You're going to get two minutes bad of game, Tory. Tory. You've been bad. You've been very, very bad. What did you do? Um, and we've bounced back and forth. And now... Uh, again, is this gonna last with Tory Craig? Where he shoots no, but it's forty-seven percent from three. No, no, it's but, not gonna last. But it hasn't made anybody like. There's been no reason to miss Jay Crowder. None. None. They're six and one. They're playing great. The bench has been amazing, and part of that is that Tory no Craig doubt. has played extremely no well. And, and he shot the three well. He's rebounded well. You're not sitting there saying, "Oh man, I wish they had Jay Crowder." Oh, they really miss Jay. No, you know what? It's unbelievable, but they don't miss Jay Crowder right now. Yeah, and that's I guess, early, but right now they don't. And I guess my point about Dario is that eventually, when Tory Craig kind of regresses to the mean a little bit, that three point shot, that percentage will come down. When it does, is, is that the because we saw. The, we never talked about it yesterday, but there was a good story on AZ Central, uh, which Dario's like, yeah, you know, I'm I'm ready to go. I feel good. I'm healthy. I want to get out there. Whatever coach wants me to do, I'll do. I'm a little disappointed I haven't had a chance to play yet. I think if and when Tory opens the door, that might be when we start to see a little more Dario. But at this point, there's been no reason for Monty to play Dario Sharich. None. All of those backup four minutes, you know, all of those backup five minutes, they're being handled very, very well by the guys that he's got. Tory, Landale, and Bismack are taking care of all of that. There's no need to play Dario Sharich at this point. As yeah. much as the fans might like him, he got a big rousing ovation when he came in and played the five love minutes. Him. The fans they love him. him. Now, love- Landale has absolutely been the biggest surprise because he wasn't here but I, I I really don't want to underestimate the value that Tory Craig has gave this team because he does to me it, it very much is it is is the role that Jay is would have played is is Tory's getting those minutes and playing very well with those minutes yep uh, and again if you're just tuning in and you hadn't heard the latest a um, lot of guys out for the uh, Portland Trailblazers tonight. well DeAndre Ayton they believe he's going to be back uh, uh, Anthony Simons is out with foot inflammation. Gary Payton II is out. He won't play. Dame Lillard is out. He won't play. DeAndre Ayton is probable to play tonight after his left ankle sprain that kept him out for a whole week. So Ayton looks like he'll be back for tonight's game. Now remember, Suns play the Trailblazers tomorrow, and these injured guys might be available for Portland tomorrow, but for tonight, no Dame Lillard, no Anthony Simons. Those two players are out this evening. Yeah. Well, and that it, and if Dame comes back and plays tomorrow, that's he still hasn't played in a little bit. I don't know if it'll be 100% or not, but it's looking Looks good for the Phoenix Suns. When we come back, five big questions that we need to ask. Five. We need to get five. Five. That five. we need to get answers to as well. We'll do our best next on the Burns and Gambo Show. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports. The local sports leader. Five. Five. <laughs> he didn't have his headphones on, Mitch. Give it to me one more time. Still, we're celebrating Pick on Gambo Day. It's fine. Now you know what? Here's the thing, Gambo. One, he's he's tough enough to take it, right? Like we can make fun of him, and he's he's cool with it. And two, 
and I know I'm speaking of you, even though you're sitting right here at the table next to me. It's it's not like you didn't know we weren't going to make fun of you when you told us the story today, well, I right? I told you the story at lunch. Yeah, you're like, we got to talk about this the, on the air. I'm like, okay, good. It's open yeah. It's open season. Yeah, I always get burned. If you want to talk about it, well, you, you, if you want to bring it up, you can bring it up <laughs> if you want to. I'm like, I'm an open book. I'm good. Like, I listen, life's good for me. Okay, life's good for me. You, you Yeah. You do not live I don't, a yeah. semi-charmed kind of life. You live yeah. a fully charmed kind so of life. I, I've said it before. I'll say it again. Yeah, we can make fun of me quite a bit. I mean, it's, yeah, my life, life is good. Yeah. Life's fine. Besides, the, playing Gambo's five from his 28 to five rant isn't really making fun of you. I mean, other than the fact that I thought you were going to have a heart attack and die that day. My God. In the grocery store. How many years ago was that? Um, it was back when the sun sucked, so it was a while ago. Yeah. Right? 28 I mean, to 5. That was, that was, DeAndre Ayton was on the team, so it couldn't be, you know, it wasn't like, you know, seven years ago. So I think it was the 2001st or 2019 season, right? Yeah, yeah he was yeah. drafted in 2000. I bet it was, but it was then. We were, we, we were, people are listening to us like, what are you talking about? So just remind everybody, we were doing the show from a grocery store that day. Um, can't remember what we were promoting, but we were there at the grocery store and we were there in like the deli bakery area yeah. doing the show and you go on this rant because the Suns had given up a 28-5 run. I Do you have the rant, Mitch? Boston, I think. Was it Boston? That went on the 28-5 run? Um, and you I remember lost. the lady looking at the prunes. Well, that's okay. That, and I was getting yeah. to that. So you lose your mind over a 28-5 run, and I'm pretty yeah. sure it was the Celtics. And you're yelling and screaming, 28-5, 28-5. And this older lady comes around the corner into the aisle, and as she's picking out prunes from the grocery store, Honestly, honestly, like a 90-year-old lady picking up prunes in the grocery she store. She turns to you and just puts a finger up to her lips and goes, shh. This slow white guy comes crawling in just to, right in between all you. Excuse me, excuse me, excuse me. Oh, thank you. Let's take the ball. I'm going to dunk it. 28 to 5. 28 to 5. You know what team they played that day, actually? Who was it? The uh, pure coincidence of the situation. Yeah, the Portland pl- Trailblazers. Trailblazers? Really? Yeah. They played Portland that day. You have the point, the po- the point where I, I said something about the lady like you? You're moving faster than DeAndre Ayton. I'd rather have you out there than one of the Suns players. I'd rather have you. I'm watching you. I'd rather have you. You're moving faster than DeAndre Ayton. And that's not very fast. I said that to that lady. Yeah, and she yeah. smiled. She was she was she was a good sport about it. Yeah, well, yeah. She could have called the cops, I suppose, if she wanted to. <laughs> <laughs> she's being verbally assaulted by this crazy Italian dude at the grocery store while she's trying to chop the prunes. You know? Nine one one, you know it's your emergency. I've got a crazy Italian man yelling at me in the grocery store. I don't know why. I'm just trying to buy my prunes. My Geritol. Oh, I don't I don't understand God. why he's yelling at me. She was buying Prunes. <laughs> you are moving faster than the Suns were last night. It was oh the best. God, it was. I'm sorry. Just go down memory uh, lane. You, you play that five cut for us there. The reason we're playing five five questions. Uh, Revenge of the Birds did this story. Right, with, give it to me. Give it to me. All right, you ready? Yeah, go ahead. All right, so they, they asked five questions to the guy who covers the Seattle Seahawks. His name is John Gilbert. Yes or no answers? Or multiple uh, no, choice? No, or? Uh, it's, no, it's just you answer it however you okay, want to. Give me okay, uh, first question that Revenge of the Birds asked. Number one, are you buying the Seattle Seahawks as the best team in the NFC West? No. Okay. I'm buying, I believe San Francisco is the best team. I think you do, too. I think we both like the 49ers. I am not buying Seattle's. They could be, but I'm not going to buy that. So I'm going to be no on that. All right. 
I also agree. They're not the best team in the NFC West. I think the 49ers, even though they have their moments, and it seems like every time I think, oh, yeah, that's the best team in the NFC West, they lose the next week. Uh, that's not going to happen this week because they, they have the bye week this week. Question number two. The Cardinals seem to be the catalyst to an impressive three-game defensive run. Is this the new Seahawks defense, or has it been a combination of improvements and poor offenses that they've played? I would lean more towards improvement from the defense than the poor offenses that they've played. I mean, it was the Chargers, the Cardinals, the Chargers, and the Giants. You are correct. The Giants have been playing really well with Saquon Barkley, one of the best running backs in the the league. Um, The Chargers have an explosive offense. It hasn't clicked for them this year the way they expected to, but they have a a great quarterback, a great young quarterback, and they can run the ball. Um, So I think it's more of them getting better than the teams that they played. I would uh, I would agree with that. I mean, it, the, the thing about it is, is this run started against the Arizona Cardinals. So, yeah, of course it did. What are we saying? The Cardinals are poor offensively, and you know what? Without DeAndre Hopkins, yes, that is in fact exactly what we're saying. They're poor offensively. Question number three. Is Geno Smith's protecting the football sustainable, or is he getting away with mistakes? No, I think that's sustainable. Um, I think that's sustainable. We're not talking about just the you know the the teams the team. We're talking about him, his ability to not turn the ball over. Uh, he's been very good. The way the offense is set up, um, he does a really good job with it. With Walker running, they're a very balanced team. With Walker running, they've got DK, they've got Lockett, they've got that Will Disley. Uh, they got some tight ends. They sometimes have two, three tight ends on the field. So I think it's sustainable that he's not going to turn the ball over at, at, at a much higher pace. Yeah, he's he's not making a lot of risky throws. He's, he's he's running a good offense. He's smart, running a very good offense. All right, the Arizona Cardinals. Question number four. Okay, the Arizona Cardinals come into this game as a two point favorite, according to sports books. Are you surprised? by this and are you taking the Seahawks and the points? <laughs> that was the question. I know you're not a gambler, so I won't you don't have to answer the last part, but I guess I'm surprised by it because they're in first place. They've won three in a row. The Cardinals are not playing well. Um, but Hopkins back changes a lot for the Cardinals because they're averaging how many points? Thirty four points per game in the two games since yeah. he's been back. Yeah. So I think just the return of Hopkins changes that, and that's pro- if Hopkins wasn't back, Seattle would be favored in this game, in my opinion. I think you're right, and, and I think something you said earlier kind of stood out to me. Um, look, the people who set these lines, they know what they're doing. They really know what they're doing. Okay, so if they're if they're telling you the Cardinals are a favorite, the Cardinals are a favorite for a reason. Now, does that mean you know I'm going to go out and plunk a bunch of money on the Cardinals? But no, it just means that. On paper, we look at it and go, this is a first-place team versus a last-place team. This is a team that really seems to be hitting their stride versus a team that might be on the edge of just falling right off the abyss. All right, We look at it and say, man, who who should be the favorite and who should be the underdog in this game? The fact that the professionals are looking at this game and going the, the Cardinals are the favorites suggests that they think the Cardinals are much, much better with DeAndre Hopkins, back to your point, and suggests that a lot of what's going on with Seattle might not be that sustainable, right? Might not be the kind of thing that can last and you can count on week after week. And I think there's something valid to all of that. And you got to consider that when thinking about this game. Not that we're giving gambling advice because we're not. Uh, Number five. 
and this is something you brought up the other day. Have your expectations for the season changed, and what are they now? It's for the Seahawks, mind you. Yes. Yeah, because you, you do get to that point where, you know, it, the fun wears off and you start to think about, okay, can you make the playoffs? Should you make the playoffs? Right. I think for any team that's two games over 500 right now, the belief has to be you're going to make the playoffs. You're two games over 500. Especially in this conference. Any team that's two games over or more has to believe that they're going to make the playoffs. There was no expectations that Seattle was going to do anything this year outside of have a top five pick in the draft next year. Yeah. And now I do think the expectations, with half the season gone, should be about making the playoffs. Yeah, if I were a Seattle Seahawks fan, I would expect this team to make the playoffs. You have to. I mean, and Brock, you talked about the same thing yesterday. Yes, expectations change. Do I expect them to win a lot when they get to the playoffs? That remains to be seen how the rest of the season plays out for Seattle. But for right now, today, it's a failure if Seattle doesn't make the playoffs. Straight up, it's a failure. They're 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 above five hundred. They're playing in the pathetic NFC. They've got to win four games, and they've got uh, nine. They got to go four and five yeah. to make the like to probably nine wins gets them in. I would think. And they've got five wins now. If they go in four out of their next nine games, they should get in. And you're not even asking them to play 500 football. So I think, yeah, there would be a disappointment if they don't get in. Yep, and and games coming up against Vegas and Carolina. Oh, my God, Vegas is so bad. Vegas. The Jets. They get Vegas and Carolina? Yeah, they get Vegas and Carolina. Oh, wow. Carolina's defense played a little bit better under... uh, Steve Wilkes since they made the move. All right, those are the five questions. And, and yeah, I would agree about the expectations. I, I think they certainly have changed for Seattle, and sometimes that changes things a little bit, right? Puts a little more pressure on guys, and now hey, it's not just a cute little story anymore. Suddenly it's like, yeah, you better yeah. win. Cute story's better over. Win. Yeah, now, cute story's now, done. Now go make the playoffs. Win. you got to make the playoffs Go prove now. that was real. Mm-hmm. Coming up here on Burns and Gambo on this Football Friday. It's not just a Cardinals Football Friday. It's a big weekend upcoming of games around the NFL. The ones that we're going to be keeping an eye on, we'll tell you about next here on Burns and Gambo. Football Friday with Burns and Gambo. Presented by 72 Souls. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. We're out on the road today here at Footprint Center. One of our great listeners just stopped by. Say, yeah, you guys are Burns and Gambo, right? He said, yep, yeah, that's us. He said, yeah. I think I know more than you guys do, but that's cool. I like listen yeah. to you anyway. <laughs> that's awesome. That's yeah. uh, funny stuff. Yeah. All right. Around the NFL, Gambo, this week, we've got uh, a lot of big games coming up. And although it's not, I mean, it's a weird week. It's for not a lot of big games. It's, it's not. I counted You're right. two. I, I said that, and as soon as the words came out of there's my mouth, a lot I thought, of big games. Yeah, no, there's, there's really not. not. Yeah. Actually, not a lot of big games at all. There's a lot of, there's a lot of junk out there. <laughs> so I'm just being honest. But yeah, but are, last week there were so many big games last week. There so. are a few games that are absolutely worth a little conversation. I thought they, yeah, I thought there were two for sure. But and, go ahead. And probably starting first and foremost because it's the NFC and because they're two teams that we just expected so much more out of. The Rams taking on the Buccaneers, huge game. Uh, you know, and and you look at it. The Rams are three and four. The Bucks are three and five. Like, I think that this. You know, this could be a must-win game for Tampa Bay. Their division is really bad, so maybe it's not. But can you imagine the Bucks? If the Rams win this game, the Bucks are three and six. Now, the only like made that like here's the one caveat to this: there could be a team in that division that gets into the playoffs with less than nine wins. Huh. Oh, there could be a team in that division that gets in with less than eight wins. Right? I could. 
totally see a seven and ten team. Six and eleven. You're the NFC South. South champions. I could totally see seven and ten so winning that division. The Rams win this game. The Bucks fall to three and six. Okay, three and six with um, eight games to play. And if they go four and four, you're talking about a seven-win football team. Could that win a division? Sure. Carolina's probably out of it now with that loss. The Falcons, the Saints. I mean, the Saints have to play San Francisco and the Rams. So if the, if the NFC West takes care of business, LA's got to play Tampa and New Orleans. San Francisco's got to play New Orleans. Seattle's got to play Tampa. I mean, they could bury that. They could bury the South. If the NFC West could bury the NFC South. And then you really are. You're talking about one division that could put a team in that does not have, that has a less than 500 record. Yeah, it's it's very popular right now. You know, Atlanta's leading that division at 4-4, four and four, and there's nothing there that's impressive at all. And, and Tampa Bay, more than anything, man, they're... Their psyche, their spirit right now. I mean, I, I get it. They play in a crappy division, and they might, even if they lose this weekend, they still might have a chance to get a playoff spot because of that division and how bad it is. Man, Tampa's psyche and spirit, it's it just every well, so this bad game. vibes, everything coming off that team right now just stinks. Yeah, I feel bad for Todd Bowles because I really like him, and I think you know gets another opportunity, and you figure you got Tom Brady, and all of a sudden your team, you can't run the ball. They're a terrible rushing team. They're last in rushing yards per game. Last, they've lost. Tom Brady's lost three straight to the Rams. And if they and and I don't like. I was looking at this, and I always think about this as a as a as a Cardinal fan. Which team losing benefits the Cardinals more? The 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 NFC West team. Or the Bucks, and I think you want the Bucks to win mm-hmm. yep. because you yep. want to you want to get ahead of the you want to get ahead of the Rams, yep. and you may want to just concede that some bad team in that division is going to win. Yeah, that's exactly how I was thinking. So yeah. I think you I think you root for the Bucks to win this, so the Rams go to three and five, and then if you can win your game, you know you'd be at four and five. Yeah, I, I mean it just gives you a chance to kind of jump ahead of them a little bit if you're playing leapfrog yes. yeah. in the NFL. West because I, I do I think it, it, the Buccaneers somebody's going to win that division so you know it, somebody has to <laughs> somebody has to when it's all said and done um, as far as the NFC goes that's it though I do want to bring up one other one even though it wasn't on your list to talk about only because unfortunately this is a team that we kind of have to keep an eye on now if we're talking about getting in as a wild card the six and one Vikings are at the four and four Commanders. You want okay. the Vikings to win. You, you do. Because yeah. the Commanders, they've won three straight. They're playing a little bit better right now. They've gotten a little bit of a lift from Taylor Heineke, right? And we just, of course, saw the Vikings a week ago. Um, but Washington has a chance to be an above 500 team for the first time since Ron Rivera got there, right? And, you know, we who knows how the Daniel Snyder selling the team news affects that organization. Maybe it doesn't change a lick about yeah. how the players play, but maybe it gives them a little bit of a boost going into that game. Well, the commanders have played decent. Okay, there's one reason I'm focused on this game. Okay, I want to see how many snaps T.J. Hawkinson gets. Okay, I'm back to that. Why does Christian McCaffrey oh, get all the okay. snaps and Robbie Anderson for two weeks wasn't able to play? Why does Robbie Anderson barely play much? Because you're trying to get him accustomed, and but Christian McCaffrey played a whole lot. Now here comes T.J. Hawkinson. Is he going to get a lot of? Is he going to get a lot of reps, or is it going to be dumbed down? Because oh, he doesn't know the offense yet. He needs more time. 
Like, I, I mean, I want to compare what's happening in Arizona to what's happening in other places. The Christian McCaffrey thing is baffling. I mean, in, in his first two games of San Francisco, he played 29 and 80% of the snaps for the 49ers. Robbie Anderson played 18% and 9% yeah, he went down. of the snaps. Robbie Anderson's percentage went down. I, I mean, I, I and just, A.J. Green, who didn't play the week before, got more. Like, it doesn't make, there's no ready. rhyme he's or reason ready. as to he's why. He's ready. Well, Christian McCaffrey was ready. He played 80%. He was ready to play four out of every five snaps. Right. He was ready. So what's T.J. Hawkinson get? His yeah. first game. He just got traded. He just got traded. I mean, perhaps is he going to get in his first game with the Vikings? Um, the New York Jets are the largest home underdog by any team with a winning record in 15 years. They're either playing Kansas City or Buffalo. They're playing Buffalo. They're hosting the Buffalo Bills this weekend, and the Jets are the largest home underdog by any team. I think Corey with a winning Davis is out. Since 2007. I think Corey Davis is, is out. He? The wide I receiver from that. the Jets. So I, I think he's out. Yeah. Yeah. Listen, it makes sense. I mean, listen, this the Jets quarterback is just as much as I liked him in college. God, he is. He's he's not the answer. The Jets have been able to win with running the football, playing good defense, um, getting some breaks. They're a well coached team. But they're running. You're in, you're going up against a juggernaut in Buffalo. <laughs> you know, you have Buffalo and Kansas City, the two best teams in the NFL, and I don't even think it's close. I don't think there's anybody even close to those two teams. So that's going to be one hell of an AFC championship game if it plays. The Jets are trying to get to the playoffs. Yeah. They're just trying to find a way to get to the playoffs. Uh, the 49ers have the bye this week. The Giants have the bye this week. The Cowboys have the bye this week. Um, in addition to the Steelers, Broncos, and Browns, the other games this weekend, like Packers at the Lions. Can you imagine if Green Bay loses to the Detroit it would be weekend. the fifth. I think it would be the fifth straight loss. Haven't they lost four? Uh, they've straight? lost four straight. You are correct. Yeah, they've lost four straight. Um, wow. Let's. No, see. I can't imagine. Like the Lions are. Like, I can't imagine the Lions. To tell, they just traded T.J. Hawkinson. Like yeah. I can't imagine that the Lions could beat Green Bay. But Green Bay is just not very good this year. In a battle of two teams, who just made a bunch of trades this past week. The Dolphins are at the Chicago Bears. Of course, you had the. You know, you had the um, Claypool, Bradley Chubb, Claypool, Robert Quinn, Roquan Smith. Yeah, a bunch of trades there. Panthers, Bengals, blah. Chargers, Falcons, blah. Raiders, Jags, really blah. Then Sunday Night Football, Titans. I think you root for the Chargers over the Falcons. That sure. way, if somebody, uh, if if Tampa or New Orleans overtakes the Falcons, you don't. You kind of want to get them out of the way. As a, again, I'm just giving you Cardinals thoughts here. I think you root for the Falcons to lose. You know that way they're not. You know they they, they get knocked down a, a notch as far as teams that you've got to try to catch up to. All right, when we come back on the Burns and Gambo show, Patrick Peterson after last week's game asked, "Where's Steve Kime? Well, where's the beef? Steve Kime showed up on Wolf and Luke earlier today. We'll share with you what he said about Patrick. Peterson next on the Burns and Gambo show.